Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. And I am the opposition leader, Annie Warmke, today. <laughs> the opposition, the loyal <laughs> opposition. And today we're going to talk about sustaining spiritualism or which died first, God or a sense of community. So... How's that? How's that for I didn't ominous? know we were talking about sustaining spirituality. <laughs> well, I, I wanted the word sustaining in there somewhere because this may get a little metaphysical. So I don't think it's metaphysical at all. Like, I think uh, it is about saying, let's be honest about where we are in our culture and our belief systems. And, um, and, and really, it isn't a coincidence that the quality of public life in this country has has deteriorated at the same time as religious affiliation. And so I, I want to talk a little bit about that because the reality is, you know, the churches and the synagogues are getting sold to become buildings, houses and things like that because nobody's going. Well, is is one uh, causal of the other or are these, you know, as they like to say that uh, correlation is not causation? So, so so I'm going to talk about that. Okay. Um, but go. first I want to say that since 2007, people who identified as Christians have dropped from 78% to 63%. And most of those folks are not going to church. So since 2007? Yeah. Since okay. 2007. So we can blame Obama for this. Okay, whatever, whatever. <laughs> if you want to go there, I'm not there going go. there. Uh -huh. So it's not a coincidence that the quality of public life in this country has deteriorated at the same time as the religious affiliation. A guy named Bruce Ledowitz, a law professor and an author of the book, The Universe is on Our Side, says the lack of a shared story of something to believe in together is a huge part of what's ripping the social fabric apart in this country. Okay, so you're saying that a sense of community or or basically has how are you measuring that? How do we how do we know that's true? I mean, maybe we all feel it or maybe some of us feel it, but but is there some way of measuring that? Okay, 109 people die a day of gun wounds. Okay, yeah. So let's that that's enough All right, for so me, that's one way. But people aren't going to church. People yeah. are not practicing any kind of faith. What they are doing is yelling, screaming, demanding. Uh, people don't want to drive their car because they're afraid of the people who drive the other cars. I mean, <laughs> I didn't look up all those statistics. Well, well see, driving is where I pray mostly. I know so. it is. And <laughs> Please, give people the me. finger. That was shocker when I saw you do all that right. once. Uh -huh. Um so it, it was a spiritual is, symbol. I don't, <laughs> I know it definitely was for you, but uh -huh. I just want to say that it is clear that no matter, and we say this all the time when we talk to, to each other or plan, do planning or talk to other people is that there is no election that is going to fix the breakdown of sure. every system in this country. So, so what you're saying is, okay, people look to politics for the answers and many of these answers can never be found in politics. Right. They're, they they're have not. to be they are found not. in community and spiritualism well, in, in whatever it yeah. is. And and community, you know, you're extending that to say churches used to provide a sense of community. Okay, getting for some a little people. bit ahead of me. Right. So okay. so that's off. true. I'll back off. But uh this guy, the um Ledowitz guy, he says America's living with the consequences of the death of God. And um, he looked at, you know, a number of different people and uh, uh, like uh, Nietzsche, and he 
uh, Nietzsche said that there would be this momentous and irreversible thing that would happen when people stop believing in God. And don't go there yet. I'm, I'm, and I'm scrunching my nose going, I don't, I don't quite see it yet. That there's the death of God? Well, I mean, yeah. Does, does religion, I just don't believe religion correlates to belief in God. Goodness. So, okay. <laughs> or no, even gonna, belief in God. I'm going to talk about that. Because so, belief in God can be spiritual. Religion is like organized uh, doctrine. Okay. So layers and layers of God speak, and that's what I think we are talking about, have been stripped away in this sort of, I think the internet's been a big help here because we suddenly see, if we didn't accept it before, that the letters, the broken words, the symbolic references that we seem to be incapable of transferring to our meaning, meaning to life because we found out it's not the truth. Okay. It's just bologna sausage. And, and so much of it is, you know, meant to control you, to make you give money, to make you help the minister or the priest to have millions of dollars at their access. <laughs> okay, now we're getting into stereotypes, but okay. maybe No, I'm not. It's true. It's in the news practically every oh, day. Right. Somebody but, like that. But maybe what we're getting to here is that organized religion perhaps put a thin veneer of civility in place that people did not want to cross that line. And when you take that away, then there's no restriction on people behaving the way they thought, you know, I mean, when they were going to church, they were still, you know, having these, they were just below the surface. There's still this, this anarchy, but I'm going to pretend to be civil. Just yeah, I'm not, I, don't, I don't buy it. But okay. so here's some reasons why <laughs> people have become atheists now. So we'll just use some labels here, but I'm going to talk about atheists and then I'm going to talk about non-believers because there is a big difference. Sure. So growing up in a faithless family, so they have no. That's no, one reason uh, why you would self-identify as an atheist. Right. These are okay. reasons why they became atheists. Uh, right. They stopped believing in the religious teachings because they studied it and they found that it's not about it's not about faith. It's just about maybe something to learn to do better in life. But well, I've heard a lot of people say I'm an atheist because I was raised Catholic. You know, <laughs> it's that yeah. kind of, you know, I had it, I had it beat into me. Well, that may be it. Experiences at college where they're exposed to other people of faith and they suddenly realize, wait, everybody's got a God and it's the same one that I'm thinking about, except they say I'm going to hell for it. So exposure to new ideas. Well, not necessarily, but it is other faiths. And then also intellectual challenges, um, which actually starts often in the high school level when people are faced with unanswerable questions. A person can assume that the faith they believe in is inadequate or irrelevant because they realize, wait, I was praying and nothing happened or something bad happened and I was praying for something else. So an example would be if God's loving, why is there so much evil in the world? Yeah. That's a common question. I think that's, yeah, that's the classic one, you know. Yeah, and, when you start to get older, hopefully you start to ask these questions. If God created the world in six days, what about evolution and dinosaurs? Yeah, well, and and uh, as you know, I have been perusing many of these uh, sites Um just because I find it curious as to why people believe things that to me, at least on the surface, seem seem absurd. And they're not necessarily stupid people or mean people or whatever. 
much of it comes from the fact that, you know, I was raised that way. I mean, that's, well, that's ill thinking. I'm going to say that it well, is ill thinking. Lack but... of lack of logical thought pattern. Okay. Yeah. And it, and so, it often comes back to faith. Okay. I believe it because I believe it. I mean, that's where the answer lies. Right. Well, there's plenty of Bible quotes for that. Mm -hmm. Emotional challenges. So um, oftentimes uh, they people have emotional challenges and it comes back to their intellectual uh, capacity to try to deal with that. Also, desiring unity. Um, people may feel uncomfortable in such in religious uh, communities where if you're not one of them, you're against us. That's become it is very a big tribal, deal. you know, especially if you have friends who are outside and then your religious community is saying, you need to treat them as the other, you right. need to treat them as the enemy, and you're going, but I like them, they're nice, yeah. they're. But they're then a lot friends. of times you don't have anything else to talk about because they're so engrossed by it, sure. so ingrained. Sure. So issues about sex. I mean, the church, 19% said that there had been sexual abuse act commits, committed by clergy. And that was a significant reason why. You said 19%? 19%. So like one in five. For those that were raised Catholic, the number was 32%. No. And even more prevalent, 29% for just the general run-of-the-mill prostitutes, Protestants, <laughs> sorry. Okay, and, I, didn't, I didn't know that was a religion. Well, but, it could uh... be. And 39% of those raised Catholics said they left the church because of ne negative teachings and treatment of gay and lesbians. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there where people pick and choose what they decide they are against and for. It's not a thing of one true belief. And a lot of it is very hurtful. Well, I think, um, you know, just to expound on what you just said there, um, oftentimes you're presented as a child and, and I'll just use my experience, but, um, you're, you hear a doctrine, you know, and you're indoctrinated very early because that's the way these things work. And then as you get older, hopefully you begin to question certain things. And, and that'll get you in deep trouble. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is religion often responds to somebody who says that doesn't make sense, or how can you rectify that with, with my experience with the response of you are a bad Catholic, Protestant, Baptist, whatever. And if you continue to think this way, you will be punished by us and, and by, by God. God You're and, not going to get your crown in for, heaven. For thought violations and all this other stuff. And at some point, if you continue along this thought, if you just submit and go, okay, then I'll stop thinking. But if you continue to think, then often it just is like I've now been pushed out of the well, church. Of your community, you you lose your community, and you're hurt yeah. by it because people are not nice to you. Sure, this happens all the time. And the more um, orthodox the religion, the harsher the punishment. Sure. So, but the other thing is the politics of religion. So we can see this under the last administration. Um, where people, they say 14% of American Christians left their churches as a result of the 2016 elections. I'm not going to go into that, but it's one of the questions we often raise in, in um, conversation is how could someone have this sort of belief system about good and evil and all that that's so clearly defined in their mind, and then they vote for this person who is clearly evil. Yeah. Well, I, so, I it's funny that I 
was talking to a person you and I both know who is a um, uh, Amish and talking about the election. And he was saying, well, he's not going to vote anyway, but he was saying, I, I couldn't support Trump in this case because he referred to it as Corinthians two instead of second Corinthians. And I said, so, so it's all right that he runs gambling casinos and that he's committed adultery and that he's, that he's, uh, you know, been divorced and remarried, but he referred to a Bible passage by the wrong thing. And that's the breaking point for you. <laughs> I told you when I heard that him say weird. that, that I thought it would be for people. So, so let's just, talk I had about, other reasons for not supporting. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping they were a little more thought out than that. But anyway, so, uh, that, so people who are non-believers, they still believe in God and they still sort of would like to have some kind of community. So they might show up for church. Uh, on a holiday or something, or if they're sad or there's a funeral. But anyway, um, so so their reasons are a little bit different. Um, so they still believe in God, but they stopped believing there is this God, this little Santa Claus in heaven that's going to reach down and make everything all right. So what you're defining here is, as opposed to someone self-identifying as an atheist, now it's just someone who says, not necessarily agnostic, but just say, I yeah. just don't believe. I'm going to hedge my bets here, or I don't believe well, at all. It's kind of or... like, I mean, you, if you ask me, do you believe in black holes or something? I go, I, yeah, I, I think so. Well, they I had mean, a picture of one on the news last I week. Don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, let me interrupt. Speaking of black holes, <laughs> I am going to interrupt you here with the, with the fact that you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. Oh, and thank God, because we're going to get run out of town. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so you were you were just offending 50% of the population by well, defining things. you know what? I don't care because <laughs> I want to live in a different world. And I mean it when I say that about I'm grateful that it is the end of the world as we know it because all these systems are broken down and we're just happening to talk about one today. But right. anyway, mm-hmm. so, so um, the people who aren't atheists but still sort of believe or hedging their bets or they don't believe. So... One of the reasons is they watched a loved one die. And, you know, that's a harsh reality. Exorcism. This one, I just have such exorcism? a harsh... Exorcism? It was high. It was third on the list. What? what as as reasons not to believe? Yeah. Well, I, I yeah, don't because, get that. I don't get that yeah, at all. Yeah, because they thought that's really crazy. You know, all that stuff about exorcism and evil. Oh, you mean being possessed by demons. Doubt. It was yeah, yeah. It was just too weird to... Yeah. Yeah, just like, don't, don't take me there. I'm not buying that Kool-Aid. Okay. So working in the medical field and watching what goes on there. Sure. um, Well, there you get a very clinical sense of the body. Yeah. You know, that things are not mystic. Right. It's real. This Mm -hmm. one I don't get either. Infidelity and divorce. I mean, it seems like blaming God for, I'm not sure. Well, it could be just as simple as, listen, I tried to live the kind of life I was told I should live. And then these things still happened. So, so where is the fairness in that? that. Anyway, so being gay, I can certainly see that one. You better get your hiney out of there. You'll be in trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, Knowing believers who weren't compassionate. And I, you see this over and over in the stuff that I've been reading is this whole disconnect between what people believe, supposedly believe and their behaviors, especially faith leaders, you know, people who hold themselves up as the example 
And then you look at them and say, not only are you not a good example, you are a despicable human being. Yeah. Well, a lot of people hurt by those people, but also the everyday churchgoer, there's just this whole data now showing how they go on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever <laughs> meetings and they come home and do exactly the opposite. Or go drinking Saturday night and go ask forgiveness Sunday yeah, morning. Or, or doing coke <laughs> or whatever. So not having any evidence. And that strikes me as a very logical reason. Witnessing greed. Mm -hmm. So I, we see it all the time. It's our culture. Um, and unanswered prayers, of course, that would be somebody who's devoutly believing there that there is a God. Um, connecting with the universe. This is sort of where I want to go for the last part of what we're going to talk about. <laughs> and when you say connecting to the universe, what do you mean? You're going to expound on that? Yeah, I'm going to talk about that. So, um, mm -hmm. And then re research, researching the roots of religion. Yeah. So when you say, well, it's sort of like when you study, I did this with Mormonism and you study and you find out because it's so recent and you go, really, really that really? Yeah. Well, you kept me could, awake at night. Who going, could believe this, this thing? Now. I mean, it's like, yeah. really? Yeah. Okay. That's like, that's like your friend, uh, you know, Ralph in high school develops a religion and you look at him and go, but it's Ralph. You know? Yeah. <laughs> So, so what we're really coming back to is the idea that community, having a robust community to fall back on, to learn from, to share with, to laugh with, um, whether it's religious or spiritual or just ethical, is, is a possibility, um, whether it's online or in, in person. But it brings irreplaceable richness to life. And too few of us have that because we've left religion, we've left the church. And, um, and I think its absence tears at our lives. I remember saying when I decided I didn't believe in God anymore as my result of my work with the Salvation Army, uh, that um, I left it. I left this spiritual part of myself. I didn't understand that I had to keep nourishing that. And, um, and so I had to find ways to do that. So, so if we're looking historically, people use the church and use the community that surrounded the church for, for spiritual well-being. But is there something that's replacing that as people lose that particular option? to create that sense of connectedness and that sense of community. Well, we need a new story. We yeah. need something, something to coalesce else. around. And that's where the universe comes in because guess what? It's, mm -hmm. it's been there forever and it, it has everything it has. It provides nature. It connects us to the soil study after yeah. study shows if we put our hands in the soil and grow things or dig or whatever, it does things to the brain that is so amazing that no drug can create. And this is the universe manifesting itself in us and everything that we do. So we can find uh, existence and ways uh, by just saying this common story of the universe and how it manifests itself in our lives by creating groups, by creating community with other people. It doesn't have to be in a building uh, with a leader that has to interpret for you, um, you know, and this is different than say, let's join a bowling league because we want to make friends. <laughs> um, it's, it's very different because this is about people. My universe does not include rented shoes. <laughs> no. Well, we, when so. we did try that, we kept getting the trophy with the, that had the person holding so, its foot, yeah. like you dropped the ball. So on you're it. saying the universe you know, when the universe is examined and by the universe, it sounds like you're saying pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, 
it's well, pretty natural, great. It's pretty great, world, right? Yes, when it's you amazing. connect into that. And that's the power of that. The positivity of it, the opportunity of it is is just absolutely endless. So Bruce Ledowitz argues that we can work towards a trust that the universe bends toward justice and our welfare. And we can see this repeatedly, how trees adapt, how they help each other. Uh, study after study shows us that they talk to each other. You know, what can we learn from that? How can we grow trees to create more uh collection of CO2. I mean, all of these things connect. And we just seem to ignore that because we haven't learned how to embrace it as our universal story. Instead, we have a God that we can't see. This is all seeable, doable information. But we need to have the ability to come together to help us heal and restore our faith in our American public life. And the universe is on our side. That book is really amazing because he makes the case that we can live without a God, but not without thinking about holiness in the universe and the righteousness of it, and the faith that we have to place in the universe, that it can take care of us, that it can make things all right. And this is not about a God. So, so it, it sounds like, well, what I was thinking about there is, is stepping outside of yourself and beginning to sort of tap into the wonder of that that's outside of yourself, yeah. which is what you get in, in a good church. You know, I mean, you go in and for a oh, while, you're, you've gone too far. Okay. All right. But let me just say <laughs> in, in an idealized version of religion, it gives you an option or a period of time every week where you sit there and contemplate outside time, of you. Taking time. For and it. now we're saying, okay, you can tap into that same kind of buzz that you get from that experiencing the wonder of how grand and big right. everything is. But I think you can't do it by yourself. Right. I think that we have to, otherwise we have this loneliness and this sense of not belonging to life. And I, so for example, uh, several years ago, I decided th that I needed to find a group and we live in the middle of of Egypt, really. Um, and, uh, and without so, the pyramids. Yeah, that's right. Without <laughs> any of that. Well, we have beautiful land that we're surrounded by. But anyway, I wanted to have a community where if I had something go wrong or more social life with people who wouldn't talk about things that I have to listen to every day. Well, or, or translate in your brain, you know. Yes, that's right. I get tired of translating uh, what, what uh, people are saying so I can just try to get along. So anyway, I decided I was going to go check out the Unitarian Universalist Church in mm -hmm. Marietta. And I didn't have any hope. But I went into the church and these two people, the Tings, um, were standing there and um, and they hugged me right away, which was like, wow, okay. And oh. the heavens opened up and sun well, no, shone on your face. No, it's not true. I wasn't <laughs> looking for any of that. I was looking for community. And so I looked up as Cynthia Ting was uh, hugging me and I saw the sign. It was uh, said, we are a welcoming uh, community. And I thought, oh, yeah, right. Sure. But I was wrong. And that day I sat in church, which I hadn't been in in a long time. And though nobody talked about God. Now, this isn't every Unitarian church. Nobody talked about Jesus. And I cried through the whole thing. And they sang some hymn that my grandma would have sung at Baptist church, but it didn't have the word God in it. Could have been a popular song today. And I kept going back 
because mm-hmm. they had social events and I could go and we could laugh about the same things and there was no need to interpret. Okay, so let's let's draw some sort of um, like insight out of this, out of your story. There. All right. What you're, so- what you're saying is that we're we're superimposing a narrative over this need for community and tapping into spiritualism that doesn't have to be there that that narrative of organized religion that traditionally has been the glue for since the 1300s or whatever is kind of fading away anyway it is fading away and but- we need to replace it with something otherwise as a as a civilization we become as uh like like three-dimensional Twitter with everybody snarking at each other. Yeah. So let me just talk a little bit about that. Belonging to a big and meaningful story as part of a group is different from just belonging to a group, like I said, about bowling. Um, And there's more to being non-religious than you don't believe. And that was the mistake I made in my life. I needed something more more deeply ingrained in me. And I did find that as a farmer. I have found that in working with animals um, and my life with you, but I still needed community. And I think that's what it all comes back to. So what are we committed to? What do we believe in? And, And through recognizing that, you can find other people. You can go online, um, you, you can find other secular communities that are looking at some of the same things that you're interested in. Maybe they want to read books and have a discussion. Uh, maybe they get together once a week. Um, they have picnics. They play games with the kids. They play D&D right. on Friday night. But there is this whole group, this whole community that focuses on something much bigger than themselves, outside of themselves. And, and it's something you all have sort of in but common. Isn't that, isn't that the attraction of a lot of these conspiracy theory groups? You know, it's like, we're going to focus on something. Yeah. To you, they sound weird, but it's because you don't know the details because they really do drink the blood of babies and pizza um, outlets in New York city. And, and, you know, I mean, how do you avoid taking one thing that may be bizarre and, and hurtful and, and replacing it with something that's even worse? Well, if you're believing in the universe and you're focused on how to live within that as your common story, then I don't think you're going there. Mm-hmm. It's very counter to nature and goodness and kindness and a moral fiber. And don't don't park your common sense at the door. <laughs> no. And and it's about thinking, it's about being logical. Um it's about saying, you know, whatever you want to believe in terms of your belief in God, that's not what this meeting's about. This is about the universe and how it plays out in our lives and how we can honor it. And what is the story? Okay. So in, in 15 seconds or so, how do we create a sense of societal spiritualism in a world that is, is lost the religious, you know, backdrop? Well, we have to find other people that share that vision. And then we have to say, what does that mean to us? And how can we keep ourselves going, keep positive about the rest of the world, which has fallen apart? How can we lay this information out so that every day we find meaning and hope? And that's what that common story holds for us. All right. Well, you have been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. 
We want to thank our spiritual advisor, Adam Rich, who uh, gives out Emmys like their popcorn. And we want to thank <laughs> you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and find a way to love the universe. All right. Till next time. Bye-bye. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com.